The Lord lives, blessed be my rock. The God of my salvation is exalted. Father, we give you thanks that we can praise you, that we can worship you, that we can love you, God. Uh, we pray, Lord, that we will continue to seek you during this time as we find creative new avenues for how to worship you from home. Help that to be, Lord, the cry of our hearts, to truly worship you where we're at, God. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to our praise team and our creative team, um, both of whom who worked really hard to put together worship from home um, so that we can actually worship with them from home as well. Um, if you're just joining us, you know, basically uh, we heard midweek that we wouldn't be able to actually have anyone singing live in service, even during a live stream. And so uh, the teams worked really hard uh, from their various homes to put together that uh, video uh, so that they can actually lead us in worship. So do thank uh, praise team and creative team um, if you do know them or um, perhaps just type it in the chat. Um, there's some really creative ways for us to engage with our church family during this time when we're at home and to worship God at home. Um, that said, please do the right thing and stay at home unless absolutely necessary so that we can hasten the day when we get back together, when we can have uh, service in together or in person together once again. Now, there's actually been some really good news as well. There was an exemption made as of yesterday afternoon uh, so that we can actually have two singers on live stream. Um, it was a little bit too short notice to actually put that together for this week, uh, but from next week, hopefully, we'll be able to have two singers back again uh, live coming to you from North Rocks. So do look forward to that. Usually during this time, uh, we would have the presider uh, telling us that we're gonna have a little bit of fellowship time. Um, we're actually gonna ask you to do that in the live chat. So uh, joining us on uh, live stream on YouTube, you can actually click on live chat and say hello, you know, say hi, say good morning. Um, say something in the chat um, and be friendly with one another. Say hello in the live chat now. Uh, before we get into the scripture reading, I'll give you uh, a, couple, a minute or two. All right, the scripture reading today comes from John chapter six, it's verses one to 13. John chapter six, verses one to 13. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. Um, you can either follow along on screen or on your devices or Bibles, whichever you might have. John chapter six, verses one to 13. Might I remind you that this is the word of God. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. 
one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. Amen. Amen. Well, how's everyone doing during this time? Um, I've had a bit of an opportunity to talk with the people that are here doing the live stream, but I'm wondering how you guys are doing as well. Um, it's been quite an interesting time of change, and although we've been adapting well to coronavirus, to the live stream environment that we find ourselves in, there are times when we might wonder if we have enough. Enough to bring to the table for worship, enough to commune with God and to love, uh, to live our lives in the current conditions, we might wonder, are we doing enough to love our neighbors? And we might even ask, am I enough? The hope and the prayer through today's service, through uh, the scripture reading, through the preaching, is that you would come away with a sense of who you truly are in God, who God is to you, and an answer to that question. Am I enough? Why don't you join with me in prayer before we get to the preaching of the word. Father, we seek to answer that question today. Uh, we seek that answer from you and not from our own hearts. Am I enough? Lord, uh, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak loud and clear from the scripture, that you would speak to our hearts, indeed that you would change our hearts from the inside out. For those of us who have hardened hearts, uh, we ask, Lord, that you would take these hearts of stone and gives us, give us hearts of flesh. Help us, Lord, to turn to you, to turn our eyes upon you, to look only to what you're doing and not to the way that our hearts lead. But may it be, Lord, that you're the one who leads our hearts. So guide us by your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to seek you and help us, Lord, to love you, to be changed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. John 6, verses 1 to, 13, 1 to 3, read this. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. And Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. So this passage might be pretty familiar to you if you've read the Bible before. You know, just prior to the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 men, there's an explanation of who's there, who's present with Jesus during this time. And there's this explanation on why they're following him. Why has this giant crowd of people come and found Jesus? Well, it tells us in scripture, they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. And so they followed. What kind of person do you think you are when it comes to following Jesus? You know, do you feel like you're more or less introspective than those around you? you know, do you often wonder about what motivates you to do the things that you do 
Or do you just kind of float through life without real intention? Just seeing where you get taken throughout the day. Now when you read a passage like this, where it tells you the motivation behind why this huge mass of people is following Jesus, you might react in a couple of different ways, depending on the kind of person that you are. Perhaps you look at the crowd and you think, you know, that makes sense. They're just curious, they have their needs and their wants too, so that's why they're following him. It's good to keep a safe distance, you know, see what's going on before you dive in. Or maybe you look at the crowd and you think, have they only been seeing what they want to see and not listening to what Jesus is actually saying to them? He's made some pretty big claims about who he is. If the crowd is living one foot in and one foot out, they won't have anything in the end. You know, this week, um, our witness ministry director, John Song, who oversees missions and evangelism at New Life, he shared this prayer uh, that was in this book with the other ministry directors. It reads this. Of all hypocrites, grant that I may not be an evangelical hypocrite who sins more safely because grace abounds, who tells his lusts that Christ's blood cleanses them, who reasons that God cannot cast them into hell for he is saved, who loves evangelical preaching, churches, Christians, but lives unholily. And this is important. As we hear in Romans 6, no, we should not continue in sin so that grace may multiply. Being a hypocrite is an awful thing. No one wants to be a hypocrite. But sometimes we get so caught up in what we're doing that we miss who God is and what he's done. Christians, we of all people have reason to rejoice and reason to celebrate the new status, the new identity that we have in Jesus. And maybe you count yourself among these, these people who rejoice in the new identity, but you still get tripped up by the way that you act. Maybe you're a well-meaning follower of Christ, not following him just for the things that he offers, but because of who he is, because you recognize him as Lord and because you want to obey him. And yet oftentimes we get caught up again in us rather than looking to Jesus. Last week I encouraged you to, at the close of service, to call someone, to talk with them, to pray with them. And there were some really great testimonies that people shared of what God did through that time. You know, the conversations that they had about faith, the conversations that they had when they were able to connect with their brother or sister. And then there was no doubt there were some who couldn't pick up the phone because they wondered, what do I have to offer someone? What do I have to offer someone that I can just call someone up? Isn't this the way that we often live out our Christianity? It's never been about us. It's always been about Jesus. And yet, our individualistic, self-important hearts love to make it about ourselves, even if it means that we end up wallowing in self-pity. We ask ourselves, am I enough? 
Next couple of verses. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. In our passage today, Jesus asks Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people can eat? Jesus, the one who called Philip to be his disciple with two simple words, follow me. We don't know what took place that caused Philip to go and tell his friend Nathaniel so excitedly, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. But whatever it was that caused Philip to believe in Jesus, it was enough that when Nathaniel asked him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip just answered him, come and see. This is the guy that Jesus is telling to buy some bread. And yet when Philip is faced with this huge crowd and the question comes from Jesus, where are we gonna buy bread so that these people can eat? Philip can only think about himself. It's not about whether or not this great crowd of people can eat. He's wondering about whether or not they have enough to feed these people. Do you sometimes feel paralyzed even before you begin to help your neighbor? Even when you think about loving your neighbor as yourself, wondering if you'll do enough? What if they reject me? Do you ever wonder that? These events are taking place uh, just around the Sea of Galilee, as the scripture tells us. And perhaps because Philip comes from the nearby town of Bethsaida, as mentioned in John chapter one, he feels a pressure of the question even more. You, you can see that, right? Like he's very close to that town. So he might be asking himself, what would be enough money in order to buy enough bread so that all these people can eat? And he's asking me because he knows that I'm from around here. So maybe he thinks that I know a good deal, that I know a good bakery. Am I enough to answer Jesus' call? Faith is such a strange thing. God is the one most worthy of our faith, and yet he's the one that we take our eyes off the easiest. We look inwardly at our own selves, at the quality or the quantity of our faith, and yet in other matters, we have no problem taking our eyes off ourselves and placing faith in other things, almost unconsciously. Think about this, what do you do every time you get into your car? What do you do? You put on your seatbelt. Every time you get in your car, you put on your seatbelt. For me, every time I get in the car, regardless of how far or short a distance I'm gonna be driving, I put on my seatbelt. Because it's not about wondering what other drivers on the road are gonna do. It's not even about faith in my own driving skills and wondering if I'm good enough of a driver. Because an accident 
won't ask me how big or how much faith I had in those things. My eyes are not on myself or on others, but the object of my faith is a seatbelt. I know it's gonna save my life. You know, Christianity has always been about Jesus. He's the one that we place faith in. He's the one that Philip had faith in in order to follow him in the first place. And yet when tested, he reverts back to this default that's familiar for so many of us. The way Philip is talking makes sense, of course. One denarius is a day's wages in that time for the average person. And eight months wages wouldn't be enough to give this many people even a small bite to eat, let alone fill their stomachs. So Philip's tossing it around in his head. But what if, instead of the method of how to do this thing, instead of whether or not we could accomplish it, Philip said, I know you can, Jesus. I trust you. We're faced with pretty interesting times these days where faith is becoming reality. What we preach, what we receive in the word is becoming what we can live out. I don't want to be a hypocrite either. So when we talk about how Jesus teaches us to pray, when we say that we know God tests with the purpose of proving and improving our faith, can I believe it? Can you believe it? Can we answer this test with, I know you can, Jesus? Verses eight to nine, read this. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So a boy comes, he offers what little he has, five barley loaves and two small fish. And the Greek form of that word for fish um, suggests that the size is quite small. Andrew obviously doesn't think it's enough, the disciple of Jesus. His statement attests to this, but he brings the boy to Jesus anyway, thinking, well, you might as well just tell Jesus what's going on. But can we talk about this boy who offered what he had in this instance? What do we know about him? We know that he's most likely poor because the Bible tells us that he has packed barley loaves. So in this time, there were mostly two types of bread and barley was an inexpensive type of bread that poorer people ate. And even the two small fish that he has are most likely not fresh fish, but pickled to eat as a side dish with these small pieces of bread. And this is enough for a boy, maybe enough for one small bite between each of the disciples, but it's a laughable amount for this crowd of 5,000 men and countless women and children. Sometimes we can lose focus on what's truly important because we get caught up in these details. We obsess over what we can do or what we bring to the table, or we get all defensive and we forget, Jesus called us. Follow me. Do you remember when Jesus told you to follow him? Scripture goes on, Jesus said, have the people sit down. 
There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. So it's at this point, Jesus gives thanks to God, perhaps using this common form of thanksgiving um, at this time. He might have said something like this. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Jesus' eyes are upon the Father God. They're not looking at what's in front of him. They're not wondering about what's been offered to him. They're not looking with intimidation at the number of people that are there. They're solely focused upon the Father God and giving him thanks. And then the people eat as much as they want. It's a miracle. Somehow, there's enough food from this poor boy's lunch for the thousands of people gathered. There's no explanation of how this happened. There's just somehow enough. It's a miracle. Am I enough? Well, Jesus calls me, and he's enough. There are echoes of childlike faith in our children today. If you talk to any of the parents at New Life, if you talk to our children's ministry people, there are echoes of this childlike faith in our children. When we were kids, we felt like our parents could do anything. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I felt like any time I couldn't do something, I could just ask my parents and they'll do it. But how can we be like children again? How can you recapture that childlike wonder and simply believe? It's only now, as I enter almost my middle ages, that I can look at my parents and think, man, they can still do so much. And that's just from spending time with them. And I remember, I mean, they were immigrants when they barely spoke English. They did all this stuff that I can't even imagine doing, and I believe in them again. What about our Father God? Go to him, go to the Father. Be still before him and listen to him speak through the Bible and pray. This is the bread of life, the food that the world doesn't know about, the true sustenance that keeps us going day by day. And through this, as you get to know God, keep your eyes on him. There's nothing to do with what we bring. The boy could have brought one loaf for a thousand. It didn't matter, it's God. He's the one who brings forth bread from the earth. And in Jesus, we find even greater bread than what we saw in the wilderness journey of Israel in Exodus, where they were not to keep the manna overnight because it was gonna spoil. But here, there's enough. There's enough in the Lord that when you trust in him, 
as in the wilderness. You can share, you can give. There's enough to go around. Early on in the chapter, we're told that the Passover was near. Now every month, on the first Sunday of each month in New Life, we celebrate the communion and we talk about this connection to the Passover. The Passover was this meal that recalled the final plague on Egypt, as recorded in Exodus 12, go read it in your own time, in which the firstborns of the land died, while the Israelites who put the blood of the sacrificial lamb on their doorposts were spared. During this lockdown period, you have the opportunity to give yourself in this relationship with God. And you find yourself in this very similar situation to the people of the Passover in Egypt. Because perhaps you feel like what you bring isn't enough. As your faith in God isn't enough. Or you feel like you don't love God enough. Did it feel like enough for the Israelites? Try to think of, about that Passover time. Did it feel like enough for the Israelites when they were told, hey, go and smear this blood of a slaughtered lamb on your doorposts, and that'll indicate to the angel of death to just pass over your house, and in this way, you're gonna escape death? What kind of questions were going through their mind at this time? What if there was no miracle, and they were scorned and killed by the Egyptians? Or what if there was a miracle, and the angel of death came but they didn't do this right, and so they were killed anyway. Did they feel like enough? Christian scholar and author D.A. Carson, he imagines this uh, scenario in this way. Picture two men, Mr. Kim and Mr. Lee. I've changed the names to fit our context. Carson didn't say this. Mr. Kim and Mr. Lee, they were two Israelites at the time of Exodus with remarkable names. Okay, they just happened to have Korean names. The night before the Passover, Mr. Kim turns to Mr. Lee and asks, have you painted your doorposts with this blood of the lamb? And Mr. Lee replies, oh yes, Moses told me to. Well, I'm really worried, Mr. Kim says. What do you mean you're really worried? Well, Moses said that tonight the angel of death will go throughout the land, don't you see? And the firstborn is going to be wiped out. And Mr. Lee replies, but you put the blood on the doorpost. Oh yes, I know. But think about all the things that have happened in the last few weeks. You know, frogs and darkness and flies and now the angel of destruction is going through the land. I'm really nervous. I'm not, says Mr. Lee. Moses said that if the angel of death sees the door with blood on it, he'll pass over it. I'm expecting a party tonight. Well, that's all fine and good for you. You've got 16 kids. I've only got one son. I'll lose my whole family if this doesn't go well. And that night, the angel of death passed through the land. Which one lost his son? Mr. Kim or Mr. Lee? The answer, of course, is neither, because the condition was not how strong is your faith, but the blood. The issue is not how strong your faith is, it's the blood of the lamb, and that's how Christians triumph. 
Jesus gives thanks for the bread to the Father by acknowledging that he's the one who brings forth bread from the earth. The bread that feeds these people is not the important thing, but Jesus himself, the true bread of life, is the one that God brings forth from the earth on the third day after his death by crucifixion. Don't miss this. This is the reason for our faith. This is why we have enough. He's the Lamb of God who has come to take the sins of the world. When the people of Israel were not enough, destined for death, they depended on the blood of the Lamb to show that they were the people of God. And like them, we now depend on the blood of the Lamb to tell us that we're significant, that we're known, that we're remembered. We are enough in him because what Jesus did was enough. Normally, on the first Sunday of each month, we would celebrate the communion together, we'd all be here together, but due to lockdown, what I'll encourage you to do is to take and eat of the bread of life. Although we can't have physical bread together, take and eat of the bread of life. Take time at the close of the service, after you have your Sunday groups, to shut off all other things so you can be still before God. Delve into the word. Listen to him in the Bible and in prayer. Like, we often struggle with this. We struggle with the quiet. We struggle with the stillness. We want sounds and voices and stimulation. But today, go into the stillness and the quiet and find him there. Take time later to find that you're enough because he who called you is enough. Let me pray for us. Father, we give thanks to you because you are the one who created all things. You're the one who created our hearts. You're the one who brings forth bread from the earth to feed us. You're the one who sent your son Jesus to die for us. And what he did was enough. And because you've called us to believe in him, we find that we are enough, that our faith is enough, and that we have enough to share. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to love you, that you would help us to love our neighbor. Help us, Lord, not to become so introspective that we become paralyzed by this knowledge or by fear or by whatever else is going on in our hearts, but help us, Lord, to simply sit with you, to be in relationship with you, to hear from you. We want to spend time with you. And you love to spend time with us. We are desperate people. We need all sorts of things on this earth in order to remind us to spend time with you even to the point of a global pandemic. And yet, even then, we lose sight. Help us, Lord, not to dwell in these things, 
but help us, Lord, to just spend time in relationship with you. It's hard, it's hard, Father, to just open up the Bible and to read and to not know what's going on. It's hard to pray when we feel like the words that we're using are meaningless, that we don't really know what to say, that we're not sure if you're listening. And yet, you never stop listening. You're always there speaking to us from your word. You're always there listening to every single prayer that we pray. You are there. And we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you would be with us in these times. You would help us, Lord, to silence everything else. You would help us, Lord, to turn to you and to find that this time that we spend together, this precious time is enough. Help us, Lord, to love you. In Jesus' name, amen.